Murdoch University is committed to teaching and research excellence to support industry and the betterment of society. This podcast series, supported by Minter Ellison, shares insight into the excellent research programs academics at Murdoch are running today. Originally an overseas postdoctoral student on a research fellowship program at Murdoch, Alex Nikoloski liked it so much he stayed. He spent the last 20 years carving out a distinguished career at Murdoch as an associate professor of metallurgy with a considerable teaching and research profile. But Alex is far from an academic who sits in his ivory tower. In an interview for this podcast, Alex explains why bridging the gap between academic research and forging alliances with WA's resources industry is critical to planning for an environmentally sustainable future. My name is Alex Nikolowski. I am an associate professor here at Murdoch. I've, uh, for the past several years, uh, been academic chair of the majors in chemical metallurgical engineering, uh, mineral science, undergraduate options, and also postgraduate option, which is a graduate diploma in extractive metallurgy. From this year, I'm only academic chair of extractive metallurgy, only the postgraduate option. Um, over the years, I've taught most of the units, which are part of the specialty area extractive metallurgy. But from this year, because of my uh, significant amount of research, especially engagement with industry, uh, I've been allowed to reduce some of that uh, teaching workload and. I now teach only in my specialty area, which is hydrometallurgy. And uh, I've established a research group. So that basically is what I do. I first arrived uh, at Murdoch in 97. Uh, I graduated as a chemical engineer with a specialty in extractive metallurgy overseas. And I was seeking postgraduate study. Uh, so when I came to Murdoch, I was offered to do an honors. Uh, research project, and uh, that led to a very positive experience. I, I loved the place. Uh, I was then offered the position at a nickel refinery in the industry. I worked there for a year. The company offered me a PhD scholarship to work on developing the technology which was being applied in their refinery, and I chose Murdoch as the place to do that research. So that was a very industry-embedded uh, study where I was constantly going back to site and conducting some uh, work uh, in the uh, laboratory of the, of the refinery, as well as returning to Murdoch to, to do work here. And then after that uh, PhD, I was again asked to go back to that company. That company by that stage was owned by BHP Billiton. And I think that that close relationship with the industry and academia, which lasted for almost five or six years, led to a profile of academic that I became, which was somewhat unique at the time. Both my parents are chemical engineers, and uh, my father was a professor in physical chemistry uh, in Macedonia, in what used to be Yugoslavia. He did postdoc and postgraduate um, studies in US and Canada, and he was a postdoc at Stanford at the time when Macedonia was establishing new universities. So they attracted academics from around the world to come and start uh, setting up those new campuses. Uh, he married and stayed there, but he always had that thought that that was his strategic mistake because he ended up in a much smaller environment with much reduced sources of funding to do uh, uh, intellectual R&D work. 
And uh, when the big changes in Yugoslavia began to happen, which ultimately led to wars and various other things, he said that uh, what we should do is enable his kids to study overseas so that we can apply ourselves in a system which provides far more opportunities. And he was adamant about it. At that time, uh, neither me or my mom or my brother were convinced because life for us over there was very comfortable. And uh, here we were faced with significant um, a handicap, the least of all being the uh, language. However, when I arrived here at Murdoch, I suddenly fell right in my element and everything felt like home. Uh, so uh, people would often ask me, are you homesick? I was never homesick. I was always so busy uh, doing lab work and uh, um, other going on at the university that uh, I just didn't have time to be homesick. And then before I even figured out, there were other opportunities and job in industry and PhD study and all that. So uh, I think being intellectually active was always the key ingredient uh, that came from home. Uh, but then other than that, just being at Murdoch, I think, shaped me in the way that Murdoch shapes its people. I think that we find ourselves in a very interesting time, uh, a transition point which moves uh, into a new technological era. And this new technological era is high-tech devices. So in Australia, we've generally produced bulk products, bulk minerals, which were exported for manufacturing goods largely overseas. There were some attempts over the years to establish a manufacturing industry here, but uh, it didn't always go easy. Um, I think that the future uh, provides some great opportunities because we're now going to start producing um, batteries at a very large scale. Batteries require some of the commodities we've, we've traditionally produced, such as nickel and cobalt and copper, but also some new commodities, such as lithium, vanadium, manganese. Uh, those are commodities which we previously produced either at a very small scale or at a product which is very low margin, such as relatively impure concentrate, which then went to other countries around the world to convert into goods. These days, the battery industry is so big because it really enables a uh, move to clean energy use and storage. I think that this is going to really be a, a major focus uh, globally, but for us especially important because we would probably be the main producer of those precursor chemicals. We already produce something like 60% of the world lithium, for example. I think that it is our number one strategic advantage and uh, not only for WA, but for Australia as a whole, um, because Whereas most of the developed countries in the world have already exhausted their natural resources, uh, Australia is still very rich. And uh, I think that we have a great role to play as extractive metallurgists, as mineral scientists. This goes across the chemical engineering uh, uh, field, but extractive metallurgy and mineral science are specialty area or branches of chemical engineering with, which deal with that. So. Uh, it is a very advanced uh, discipline. Um, these days, we're not 
so much focused on producing bulk production of minerals or metals. It is more about uh, producing ultra-pure precursor chemicals for high-tech applications. This is where I think our really great opportunity is as a nation. The ultimate goal is to leave a world to our kids, which is better than the world that we had, or at least not worse than what we had. Now, the production of bulk metals in the past has largely been done using technology which these days is considered outdated. Uh, there are technological solutions for doing things in a much more uh, effective way where you um, reduce the damage to the environment, or reduce the emissions of uh, toxic materials, either in gaseous or liquid or solid form. They often uh, took time to be implemented. They can be implemented. But I think that uh, what is enabling this shift to more sustainable production now is the promise of developing technology for recycling of end-of-life goods. And uh, in the context of batteries, for example, if we uh, believe that we will be able to convert majority of the internal fuel combustion equipment, uh, the portable combustion engines for fossil fuel, cars, for example, into electric-powered uh, units which will use batteries and generate no emissions, we will be able, at the end of the day, to collect those and recycle them. And metals are generally uh, ultimately infinitely recyclable. Uh, once we've harvested them from the ground and ordered them in individual metal portions, they should be ideally infinitely reusable, recyclable. And that is what real sustainability will mean. So if we can then use such metals, the elements for production of uh, renewable energy harvesting equipment, photovoltaic cells, windmills, and, and other, and store that energy into clean units where there is no combustion of fuel which result in CO2 emission, but electrons going left and right, depending on whether you're powering or using the battery. And then at the end of life of that unit, effectively disassemble it and re-birth it. That's when the real promise of sustainability comes into play. Other than that, uh, if we continued with the traditional approach of use, dispose, uh, without making again something from it, that is not leading to sustainability. I think that the, the real sustainability, if we have that circular approach, where we make, uh, use, dispose, reuse. So industry has to be very pragmatic in their approach uh, because their role is not necessarily to retain and maintain knowledge at the highest level. Their role is to ensure that the company operates profitably, as well as safely, obviously, to satisfy the standards of society, but to ensure that the employees get salaries and they have jobs, and that the, ultimately the investors get the return on investment. Academia, on the other hand, has a role where it needs to maintain knowledge for re-harvesting or re-populating the new companies with fresh uh, trained graduates to help that industry sustain itself. So academia is essential for this. Um, I think that some 
major changes which have been occurring over time are, for example, the need for academia to become more engaged with industry. Because at the end of the day, nobody wants to pay a lot of taxes. But if uh, we live in a society where uh, there is no sufficient uh, or as much as wanted government funding to sustain universities, the universities have to engage with the end users of that knowledge and help provide a research service or development service or education service where the industry needs it, when it needs it. And this is somewhat unfortunate. It's a double-edged sword, I guess, because we have lesser ability to focus on uh, remote aims or unknowns. But then, on the other hand, it is a way of ensuring that we can sustain the operation of universities and uh, provide tangible benefits to society and industry for today's needs, as well as maintaining capacity to address the needs behind the horizon. I think that the circumstances uh, in academia, uh, at least during the past 20 years that I have been uh, part of academia, have definitely evolved very dramatically. I'm not sure if that's a too strong word, but it seems to be in the latest uh, COVID uh, environment. Um, I think that inevitably universities will have to uh, balance a little bit better the relationship between academic excellence and practical utility of what we deliver to society. If we look at the history of Murdoch, and especially the extractive metallurgy division at Murdoch, which I have been responsible for running here for the past 10 years, uh, but before that I spent 10 years learning about how it operates from others. Murdoch was originally established with part of its key mission being to develop the human resources which would service the needs of the growing minerals industry in WA. So this is going back 30, 35 years ago. So that led to establishment of critical mass of academics and uh, facilities at Murdoch and an approach which was very pro-engagement, very pro-problem solving. Uh, even the motto for Murdoch has always been, and that was infused in me right from the beginning at Murdoch, that we don't aim to be big, we aim to be really good uh, at what we do. So that, I think, ethos uh, has uh, helped me develop the skills which I use today to help propel Murdoch and help advance the agenda um, further. I think it's really important for people to feel engaged with the institution that uh, they work at because that helps develop an attitude where one strives to do better for the organization rather than expecting the organization to provide what they need to do, what they like to do. My advice would be to engage with the outside environment. Look for it outside of the institution itself because we're here to service the external environment, not to rely on internal uh, grants and uh, facilities and instrumentation. We can always do better if we develop a, a strong report with the stakeholders outside the university and service the research and education needs of the outside. It's a, it's a difficult time to be in academia at the moment because of those changes. Uh, but I think that uh, uh, whenever we're uh, faced with a transition 
point, there is both opportunities and threats. So uh, probably if you don't have ability to influence uh, the outside, it's better to adapt to the outside and respond to those opportunities. And I think that the minerals industry, the production of metals for battery production is a, is a major opportunity. So in my specific case, I feel quite fortunate that the skills that I've been developing over the years are in very high demand at the moment and in the future. And uh, I think that this is also something which is uh, very noble uh, in my mind because we will help develop a better world for the future. Academics have responsibility to support the new generation of uh, uh, graduates. And uh, there is a big variation between discipline and discipline, but in my particular discipline, which is engineering, I always uh, teach the students that um, they need to focus on providing practical solutions which service the industry, because in that way they will be helping generating jobs and uh, revenue for the companies. And in that sense, we will help the economy of our nation, uh, rather than trying to be philosophers, for example because that's perhaps something that another discipline should focus on. I think that everyone has a role to play. I definitely think that science and technology are the answer uh, for solving most of the problems of the future. Already we can see that even during COVID times, the world as a whole operates relatively well, given that we have technology for communication, for transportation, which doesn't rely on face-to-face uh, -face contact, which would be impossible in the absence of that kind of technology. We still rely very much on outdated uh, uh, fossil fuel combustion equipment for a lot of things. This is resulting in CO2 emissions and contamination and global warming. We have solutions how we can um, improve this by using clean energy uh, sources such as renewables and using batteries for storing and uh, delivering that energy to portable devices. This is something which is not uh, uh, science fiction. This is something which is already widely applied, but we need to apply it at a far larger scale if we want to achieve the ultimate goals of green society. However, there is no green society before be, be, be without a lot more mining. And I think that we have to be conscious of that that we will need the ingredients to deliver that green society. Thank you for listening. This podcast series is sponsored by leading law firm Minter Ellison and produced by the Centre for Stories. I'm Rita Sagar.